Good morning, everyone. How are you doing? I'm trying to find a place. This is hilarious. I'm trying to find a better place to put this sticky note to remind me to say things at the end so I don't forget. But I can't find a good place to put it where it's actually going to, where, where it's in my line of sight and I'll, I'll, I'll see it. <laughs> where it'll actually stick. Oh, hilarious. So, yeah. In the middle of this, the the intro video ending and me coming on the screen, I'm in I'm in the middle of playing with that. And so, anyways, ha, good morning. Hope you're doing well today. It's another wonderful Monday. Uh, always look forward to to the uh, fresh week. Get to uh, get rolling on things and and just have an amazing week. And and I, I feel like this is going to be one of those. So let's jump in. I have um, quite a bit of, of scripture I want to go through this morning. Uh, yesterday, we were talking about the priestly anointing, and we, we kind of were walking through a journey of, uh, of looking at the priestly anointing from a few different angles, one being uh, the ancient Israelites, who uh, when the priesthood was first introduced, they're they're seeing this and so this was the first introduction and so they're they're getting an understanding of it and uh going through all that and so yesterday we went through uh the garments that the priests wore and in particular the high priest aaron when he was um uh, anointed into the priesthood and became the high priest all the clothing that he went through uh, or uh was worn which is in exodus 28 and <clears throat> excuse me and then went through the anointing process and the uh um sacrifices that had to be made uh for them when they were first brought into the priesthood and that's in exodus 29 but uh when you when you back up even further from that it, it starts to get introduced in exodus 19 and exodus 19 6 says uh, let's back up to verse 5 exodus 19 5 through 6 says now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my commandment. Excuse me. I lost my place uh, and keep my covenant. You shall be my treasure, treasured possession among all peoples for all the earth is mine. And verse six says, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And so God is calling them out uh, um, and setting them apart here. And so they, they're going to be a holy nation. So uh, with this, this vast number of people, <clears throat> there was a priesthood that was required. There was a set-apart people among the set-apart nation that were going to be required to mediate on behalf of the people and uh, bring the, the covenant and the teachings back to the people from God. And so the, the, the entire... Uh, system that was set up for them was was all about maintaining relationship, their relationship between them and God, and so that's that's what was getting set up in in the Old Testament priesthood and what was being brought in. There was need for a mediator there, and it's important to to keep that in mind and remember that as as we go on through this this little trip through uh, Hebrews later. In this broadcast, and then from there, after looking at that from an Old Testament perspective, from the ancient Israelites, starting to look at that from 
a, a first century Jew and, and understanding, okay, I've got hundreds of years, over a thousand years of history with uh, the, the priesthood and with this sacrificial system and uh, uh, this ongoing thing that, that was the, the priests were doing. And now I have an absolute radical shift that's being made because Jesus has come in, not as a, uh, uh, in the line of Levi, which was uh, uh, what was required for the priesthood and, and through the line of Aaron for the high priest, he's coming in through the tribe of Judah. And, and so there's just a, a, a radical shift that's being made because now things are moving from the temporary uh, which was the old priesthood where they had to have these continual sacrifices going on to the high priest who has now made the one sacrifice that is good for all time. And, and his high priesthood is eternal. And so there, there's a, a real radical shift. And, and a lot of the first century Jews uh, who did believe in Jesus still were going to the temple for mediation and sacrifice through the earth, earthly priest. And that was good up until somewhere around, I think it was 80, 70, somewhere around there when the temple was destroyed. And so that, that put an end to that system because it just was not available anymore. They couldn't come to the, the temple and sacrifice because it just wasn't there. And so, um, and then moving on to today. So, so how has all that changed for today? And, and we look at First uh, Peter two nine. Let me jump over there real quick. So I do you want to read that to you? First Peter two nine says, "But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, and you are all of these things. You are the the chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation, a, a people." for God's own possession. And that is unto something that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And if you go on into verse 10, it says, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So you are all these things. You are, are, are God's chosen people. You have received mercy and you can now go out and proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. This is such a wonderful thing. The whole point of, of yesterday was to, to really convince people that you are a member of the Royal priesthood. And, and I, and in that belief, I hope there is a, a, not just a willingness, but almost a compulsion to run the Holy spirit and say, okay, now, as part of this royal priesthood, what are, what are my responsibilities in this role? What is it that you want me to go and do? How is it that you want me to represent you? How am I, how am I representing the high priest out here and, and putting him on display for everyone to see? And so uh, that was that was what we went through yesterday. And there is is much to be said about Jesus as the high priest and the the letter to the Hebrews is is a, a pivotal place where you can get in and start to see all these things uh, taking shape. And, and 
I, I really want us to be able to look at that because um, as as priests under under Christ's covenant, we, we have an eternal high priest that, that's better than the previous. Uh, uh, and that was the ones that are temporary. See that sticky note that I was telling you about is falling off. Isn't that hilarious? It won't even won't even stay where I had it before. Anyways, whatever. I'll remember. I will. Okay, so um, all of that to to bring us to Hebrews chapter four. Okay, we 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 looked at what does the priesthood look like from the ancient Israelites' perspective, the radical shift in the mind of the first century Jew, and what that means for us today. Who we are today, we are members of the royal priesthood. And, and I want us to look a little bit deeper at what that means when we are looking at uh, Jesus as the high priest and, and being underneath him. So we're going to start in Hebrews chapter 4, uh, verse 14, and we're going to, to read through the end of chapter 8. It says, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. And this is this is one of those key things here that we need to look at in terms of the high priesthood. Under the, the old covenant, the high priest had to first make sacrifice for himself before he could sacrifice on behalf of the people because of his own sin. And we see right here that Jesus, in in his his becoming a, a a human, just like we are, he understood what it is that we went through, and he could sympathize with our weakness because he was tempted just like we are. But the difference is is that he didn't sin, and therefore doesn't have to make sacrifice on his own behalf first. He can go straight to the sacrifice for us, which was on the cross. Goes on in verse 16, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. There's something there too. Uh, it, it says, let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Don't wait until the time of need to, to come with confidence uh, and, and draw near to the throne of God. To that, to that throne of grace and receiving mercy and grace. Don't wait. Don't wait until don't wait until you have a need for that. Just just run to his throne every day. As, as often as you think about it, run there. And, and this isn't something where you have to spend a lengthy amount of time uh, uh, you know, thinking about, oh, I need to set a time whatever you feel in your heart is like, oh, an hour, 30 minutes, whatever, to sit down and pray and 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 commune with God. No, this is this is a, a relationship. You know, you, you send text messages to people uh to check in, you know, with, with family, with with friends, whatever. Uh and that's a quick, quick message. Same thing. As often as this comes up, you are are in relationship and having ongoing conversation with God. All right, verse, verse five, uh, excuse me, chapter five, verse one. For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God 
to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward since he himself is beset with weakness. Because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins, just as he does for those of the people. And no one takes this honor for himself, but only when called by God, just as Aaron was. And so uh, this is what we were talking about a minute ago. The the high priest uh, is one who's called by God and has to offer sacrifice on its own behalf first. Verse five. So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, you are my son. Today I've begotten you. As he says also in another place, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. We talked, we introduced yesterday the order of Melchizedek and did so through uh, Genesis 14 and then uh, Psalm 110 and, and talked through that because I wanted people to, to have an understanding of that or, or at least be able to see, okay, there's something here about this person and it, we're going to get deeper into that today. Um, but it's something to, to really focus in on and say, well, what is this all about? When you, when you read things like that, it should, it should give you the curiosity and, and awaken something inside of you to, to go and search this out and, and to find out what, what's going on here. What, what should I be catching when I, when I read about Melchizedek in Genesis 14? And do some deeper study. Verse 7 goes on. It says, in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. I, I, I love the word reverence there. And I, I looked it up because I'm, I'm thinking about we also talked about yesterday, right regard and and what that means in, in terms of. Fruits of the fear of the Lord. And, and what that leads you to in regard. Um, but when you look up reverence, it's a feeling or attitude of deep respect tinged with awe. And, and I love that. It, it's, this, is, <clears throat> this is another thing that the, the fear of the Lord brings out of us is, is reverence. And, and, and that looks like having right regard when you put reverence to action. Verse 8, although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him, being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Excuse me. This is, this is important. It's going to get into this more in a little bit about why he was designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek and not after the order of Aaron. And so um, that that's going to come more into focus as we continue to read. There's a quick warning here in chapter five that starts in verse 11 uh, uh, against apostasy, which is just a, a complete turning away from uh, your faith, turning away from your beliefs and, and so uh, verse 11, it says about this, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. 
For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Excuse me. So this this maturity that's being talked about for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice, this is getting back into that continual relationship that I was talking about a minute ago, where you are at every moment, every opportunity running to the throne of God, finding uh, grace and mercy there. And not only that, being uh, uh, or having wisdom uncovered for you, being given revelation and, and shown the things that are going to, to be able to allow you to go out and, and disciple the nations, make disciples of the nations. And so this is something where they don't want you to, to turn away from the faith because at, at a certain point you have to say, okay, I'm ready to, to move beyond the foundations. I'm, I'm ready to move beyond just the, the uh, uh, milk into solid food. And that's where we start getting into what I was talking about a minute ago, where you have that curiosity that, that bubbles up inside of you when you hear something that says, okay, there's more here. I need to go do an investigation. If you're simply uh, uh, relying on the milk, you're just reading this and not putting any, any thought behind it, not going to Holy Spirit and asking questions and digging deeper. You've got to dig deeper. You've got to get in here and actually do some study in scripture and not just reading. Chapter six, it says, therefore, so they laid this out. Now, therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. Not, uh, excuse me, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of instruction about washing, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. These things are, are, are basic to, to what they are, are talking about. When the author is, is writing this letter to the Hebrews and laying this out, he's, this is the things that he's talking about are the foundations here. The foundations of the faith, of the belief in Christ. It was on in verse 3. And this we will do if God permits. For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance. Since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. So what they're talking about here is, is that that first belief, was it a real belief? where it, it sinks into the heart and, and you start to have that heart circumcision where the things of the flesh are being removed. And uh, uh, this is, this is a, a real turning towards following Jesus. Or was it just an outward display? There, there are two separate things because if it's an outward display, it's, uh, you, you start to, to get ideas about when Jesus talked about the, the seed being uh, falling on different ground, right? Uh, it doesn't always take. And so uh, um, in this, 
whether it's it's an outward thing or, or whether it was a real deep thing where somebody turned from from the ways that they used to live and started to follow Jesus. But at some point they made a conscious decision to to reject Christ and say, no, I, I'm not doing this. I, I'm going a different direction. I know this. I, I know the, the the elementary doctrine of Christ. And and I have I believed that, but I am going to to reject it now. I've heard it and I'm just flat out rejecting it, turning and going the other way. This is what they're talking about here. And so uh, as we have that understanding, you can you can understand what they're talking about when they say that um, then having fallen away. then that's what they're talking about when they're saying fallen away is this isn't just like, oh, I've I've made a mistake and gone off over here. No, it's it is a conscious rejection of Christ. It says to restore them again to repentance since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. That's just, this is what they're doing. They're wanting to, to put him on the cross all over again. Verse 7 says, For land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful for those whose sake it is cultivated receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near being near to being cursed and its end is to be burned. So the, the land here, it's 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 us. We are the ones that the, the rain is falling on. Uh, if if we are. Soaking up that rain and, and producing a crop useful to those whose sake it is to be cultivated, we're going to receive a blessing. But if if we are are having that rain fall on us, but uh, we are producing thorns and thistles, things opposite from the kingdom of heaven, then we are, are it says it's, it is worthless and near to being cursed and its end is to be burned. And, and near to being cursed and its end is to be burned is because Jesus hasn't come back the second time yet. Verse nine, though we speak in this way, Yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints, as you still do. One of the things that we need to catch here, when we read in the New Testament the word saints, we need to be able to understand that there is another translation to the word that's used there, and that's the holy ones. And if we if we keep that in mind when we read this and we see the word saints, we can connect back to things that happened in the Old Testament where the holy ones are referred to. Where where now in the in the new covenant, in Christ's covenant, we are made the holy ones. And so it's just it's one of those things that uh, you'll want to to keep in mind as you're, you're reading the New Testament. Okay, we're in chapter 6, uh, verse 11. It says, And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may, may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. For when God made a promise to Abraham, Since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. 
And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes, an oath is final for confirmation. Excuse me. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is possible, which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might be strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. There's that again. We're going to now move into chapter seven, and this is where we're going to start looking more at the, the priestly order of Melchizedek. So chapter seven, verse one of Hebrews says, for this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the most high God, met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. And to him, Abraham apportioned a tenth part of everything. He is first by translation of his name, king of righteousness. And then he is also king of Salem, that is king of peace. He is without father or mother or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the son of God, he continues a priest forever. So Melchizedek is a, a foreshadowing of Christ. It says resembling the son of God, he continues a priest forever. He wasn't actually the son of God. He was, it says, resembling the son of God. Verse four says, see how great this man was to whom Abraham, the patriarch, gave a tenth of the spoils. And those descendants of Levi who received the priestly office have a commandment in the law to take tithes from the people, that is, from their brothers, though these also are descended from Abraham. But this man who does not have his descent from them received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. It is beyond dispute that the inferior is blessed by the superior. In the one case, tithes are received by mortal men. But in the other case, excuse me, let me restart that uh, again. It says in the, in the one case, tithes are received by mortal men. But in the other case, by one of whom it is testified that he lives, one might even say that Levi himself, who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham. For he was still in the loins of his ancestor when Melchizedek met him. So this is a blessing by what they're calling the superior Melchizedek to the inferior Abraham at the time. And Abraham paid tithes. And, and therefore, Levi and, and the, the tribe of Levi and the priesthood paid tithes to Melchizedek through Abraham. It goes on in verse 11, says, Now if perfection had been attainable through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need would there have been for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek, rather than one named after the order of Aaron? For when there is a change in the priesthood, there is necessarily a change in the law as well. For the one whom these things are spoken belong to another tribe, from which no one has ever served at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord was descended from Judah, and in connection 
with that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. So it's talking about the, the Levitical priesthood line and how it came through Aaron and how the high priests had to be a member of Aaron's family all the way down through. And uh, we know there was there was a change in that uh, intertestamental period um, where there was a change from the line of Aaron, but um, so it would have it would have had to come down through a family line. But looking at at verse three from chapter seven here, Melchizedek, we, we don't have an order of his genealogy. We don't know who his father, his mother was, where he came from. Uh, you get this little section in Genesis 14 where he interacts with Abraham and, and that's it. But we, we see that that in that in, encounter, Abraham offered him tithes, received a blessing from him. But did not do that with the other kings whose whose stuff he was returning. He he didn't want to take anything from them because he didn't want to be associated with them. And so again, there, there's something to this where you have to start digging deeper and looking at this. And so again, it's laying out what we talked about earlier. Jesus didn't come through the line of Aaron, he didn't come through the tribe of Levi, he came from the tribe of Judah. So this is this is again changing the, the the paradigm and shifting the priesthood into something greater into something better into the royal priesthood verse 15 it goes on this becomes even more evident when another priest arises in the likeness of melchizedek who has become a priest not on the basis of legal requirement concerning bodily descent that descent through the line of aaron but by the power of an indestructible life for it is witnessed of him, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. For on the one hand, a former commandment is set aside because of its weakness and uselessness, for the law made nothing perfect. But on the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. So a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God, where we can draw near to his throne of grace and of mercy without fear of, of being destroyed because we, we haven't made the proper sacrifice uh, uh, to be able to enter into the holy space, to be able to uh, enter into the holy of holies. Verse 20, it says, and it was not without an oath for those who formerly became priests were made such without an oath. But this one was made a priest with an oath by the one who said to him, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. And, and I think it's over in Romans 8, uh, where Paul says that Jesus Christ sits at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. And, and this is this is said here again, that he is able to save to the utmost those who draw near to God through him, 
since he always lives to make intercession for them. Verse 26, for it is, for it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need like those high priests to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. And, and we talked about that yesterday. He had a better sacrifice to give, and that was of himself. And then we, we asked the question like, okay, if, if Christ offered up himself as a sacrifice, what are, what are we as priests sacrificing? Well, what does our sacrifice look like? Unto service to Christ. Verse 28, for the law appoints men in their weakness as high, as high priests, but the word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. This is absolutely incredible. And I really hope that you're 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 starting to pull some of this in and, and start to write down little notes and say, OK, I, I want to look at this further. What 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 it was what's what more can I extract out of here? What does Holy Spirit have to give me? We've talked about this on here before. Uh, I could offer up revelation to you, but for you to make it your own revelation, you need to go to Holy Spirit and talk to him about these things, see what else he has to reveal to you and through you to others, to bring sharpening to the body, to the church. Chapter eight, uh, it says, now the point in what we are saying, <clears throat> excuse me, the point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy place, in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. Excuse me. So they, they go through all of this about Jesus as the high priest, and they, they just are going to flat out say, this is the point. We have such a high priest. We have a high priest who meets all of these things. Right? It, this, this is a, not a, a great number or multitude. This is one. Right? And, and he fulfills all of these things. Verse 3 says, For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Thus it is necessary for this priest also to have something to offer. Now if if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all, since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law to serve a copy and shadow of the heavenly things. This this verse, verse five, they serve a copy and a shadow of the heavenly things really kind of kind of caught my attention. It, it, it grabbed me because I started thinking about, you know, the, these priests, they, they offer a, a copy of of the heavenly things. They are a shadow of what was to come and be fulfilled and ultimately, uh, well, just fulfilled in Jesus right? and and ultimately did away with that old order of the priesthood and, and entered in something entirely new. And so their, their service at, uh, was a, a copy and a shadow of these things. I'm like, this is, this is so interesting because, uh, you know, we can think about like copy machines and we can just run off copies and copies and copies and, and, and they look very authentic. 
even when you think about artwork, you can think about prints or copies. They look authentic, but they're not the actual real thing. Uh, I, I even thought about uh, uh, in that artwork, thinking about uh, Van Gogh paintings. I, I love those. I think they're they're pretty incredible. But if you really want to see them and, and truly experience a, a number of them, you need to go to the, the Van Gogh Museum in Amsterdam. So uh, I, I'm not looking to to have copies and, and, and shadows of those things uh, shown to me. I, I want to go see the real thing. And so the, the same thing here, if we want to, to see the real heavenly things, we can look at the priesthood and say, okay, this gives me a, a starting place to see what the heavenly things really are. But if I really want to get a true taste of that, I need to go to Jesus. I need to be able to continually, every moment I think about it, to run to him, to start to look at these heavenly things through his eyes, what it is that he's wanting to reveal to me, what it is he's wanting to, to show me and, and, and do every single day. The, the one great question you can ask him uh, every morning is, what do you want to do today? Because one day he may want to reveal something to you. One day he may want you to go and talk to somebody. You know, there, there are any number of different things. It's not going to be the same day to day. But just simply asking, what is it you want to do today? You're going to start to see these heavenly things revealed in the authenticity of Jesus. Not in a copy or shadow. It goes on and says, for when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God saying, see that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you on the mountain. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better, since it is enact enacted on better promises. So there's that word mediates again. We, we, we talked yesterday about the mediation that the priests were performing on behalf of the people in the presence of God. And this one, it says that uh, Christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the old, than that old mediation. As the covenant he mediates, it's better. And he has enacted better promises. Verse 7 says, for if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. So they've already made that argument in chapter 7. That if if that first covenant was was able to to fulfill what it was God needed it to do, the the coming of Jesus and and His sacrifice of Himself would not have been necessary. So what the law couldn't do, which was perfect anything or, or save anyone, Jesus came and did. Verse 7 says, for if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. For he finds fault with them when he says, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. And I, I want to stop here real quick. When we look at Hebrews 8, verses 8 to 12, this is a a restating of Jeremiah 31 verses 31 to 34. I, I suggest you go read it. 
go read both of them. Look back and forth and, and let this start to sink in and have that conversation with Holy Spirit about what is going on here? What What is it you're wanting to reveal to me by, by seeing this restated here? So I'm going to read it. I'm going to start again. It says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, for they did not continue in my covenant. And so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. When you look at Second uh, Corinthians 5, you can see that uh, God does this and makes this a reality through the cross. When he is, is in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, saying, I, I will not remember their, their sins anymore. This, this from Jeremiah 31, you know, restated here in Hebrews, can point back to, to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, that this is what happened on the cross. This is the fulfillment of that was on the cross. Our high priest, who we have now, who came to earth, went through all the temptations we, we went through, we go through, and, and remained without sin, did not give to, in to temptation. Now he went to the cross, completed this, this work on our behalf, brought us into a new covenant, and sits as the mediator of the new covenant at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you, interceding for us as his body, as his bride, daily. This is the one who you have access to. Because of this new covenant, the sacrifice has been made. The one sacrifice that, that is, is permanent and allows you to, to be fit for, for sacred space, to be fit for, for uh, uh, holy space. You have that. You have that person who's mediated that for you. And you can come continually to the throne. You don't have to worry about it. You have been made fit for sacred space in this new covenant, in this better covenant, in Christ's covenant. I, I hope that that really this is, has spurred you on into to a deeper hold of, of what it means for you to be a member of the royal priesthood by, by looking closely at our high priest in Jesus. As well as, as compels you to, to dig deeper into, into scripture and, and really pushes you into conversation with Holy Spirit. 
because I, I can offer you so much, but there is so much more that he has that he wants to give personally to you that is then going to to come to the rest of us as you begin to share it with the people that that you are in oneness with those those closest to you and so uh i really really hope that that you are grabbing hold of that and and are, are taking that with you this week and and digging into scripture uh that's think the end of what I wanted to talk about today. So I have my sticky note. I remembered, even though it fell down, we are still doing our fundraiser. We have extended that. Um, it, it originally was supposed to end on Wednesday, but we have the, uh, ability to extend that for three days only. And so, uh, our fundraiser for, the conference for next year to help us offset the the cost of of bringing in one of the the speakers and um, it, it's not a, a fee of his but it's just travel expenses uh, that we are are helping with and so we're trying to offset the cost of that through a fundraiser so we're selling sweatshirts and there'll be a link in the comments where you can go and buy one of these sweatshirts and. And we would really appreciate uh, the support for that. It's um, it's something we, we love to be able to do to uh, uh, put these conferences on and, and bring in uh, uh, speakers that are going to really uh, bring something to your life, but do so without charging people. We don't want to to charge, you know, freely we've received, freely we want to, to give out. And so. Um, but we are asking for some support and some help uh, to to offset uh, travel expenses. And so we, we appreciate uh, appreciate that. And so you have until Saturday now to to go out and purchase one of these sweatshirts. Uh, I mean, it's the perfect time of year to to grab a new sweatshirt, you know, because it's starting to get a little chilly. So you're going to need it. And uh, the last thing I wanted to mention is Kingdom Indivisible. There, there is uh, no deadline to get on board with this because uh, this is a, a continuing and ongoing thing that we are doing. And this is about uh, uh, not coming out from under what it is that you already are, 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 are doing with the, your local church, your, your local uh, community there. But it's about coming together with, with one or two people. Uh, uh, and gathering together to to study scripture, to uh, pray for for the land, to pray for the church, to pray for the nations, and and, and come together in, in oneness and and see uh, 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 things start to to shift and move. And so there is uh, um, a real call for that. And, and and we know that a lot of times these groups are going to be small and that is, that is fine. There, this is not about platform. This is not about numbers. This is about coming together and uh, uh, gathering together in, in two to three people and just uh, praising Jesus, lifting his name high and, and making sure that you are, are ministering at least to, to the land uh, and uh, people will, will start to to take hold of that. And so 
uh, Kingdom Indivisible. There's also a link for that in the comments, and you can uh, uh, get involved with that. And uh, if that is something that you want to do on the uh, website there, there is a place to uh, uh, fill out a little, um, I guess it's a registration uh, for that. And, and we'll start to communicate with you on that and, and help get you started. All right. Uh, that's it. I love you all. Have a great week.